He slept in his parents' bedroom until he was 13. He wet the bed until he was 14. He doesn't know how to ride a bike. Apparently, he has friends. Welcome to Socially Awkward with Evan Wexel. Wexel. Welcome to Socially Awkward with Evan Wexel. I'm Evan Wexel, and this is a podcast where I interview my Facebook friends one by one. The website is awkwardwithevan.com. Facebook and Twitter are at awkwardwithevan. Patreon.com slash funnyevan is a way to support this podcast. And we are on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, best way to help the show is to either visit the Amazon link in my show notes or what you can do is uh, you can write a five-star review on this podcast on iTunes and that will help make this show visible. And this is the episode you want visible, guys, because I started this about a year ago and uh, about a year has passed and I am proud to say this is episode number 50 and I went through my Facebook friend list and I wanted to find someone, someone to celebrate. And uh, one of her models is to celebrate every day. She is an actress. I have delved into the celebrity wing of my Facebook friends and I'm bringing on Robin Riker. Uh, you mean like Rikers Island? Yes, I mean like Rikers Island. Like Rikers Island is because of Robin Riker's family. She is tied to it. That blew me away on its own. Uh, but I got to sit down with her. She's been in the acting biz, uh, third generation, uh, 40 years she's been in the SAG after union, uh, throwing down credit after credit on IMDb. Uh, she was on one of my favorite shows uh, ever growing up, Get a Life with Chris Elliott. Uh, that was a show about a 30-year-old who lived in the garage while he lived with his parents. So that that's that's like me. And she also has a book out called A, Survivor, a Survivor's Guide to Hollywood, How to Play the Game Without Losing Your Soul. And we get into you know the acting biz, how to lose your soul, how to keep your soul, and the soul of uh, SAG after leadership. That was an interesting uh, segment of our talk. We go into uh, negotiations, what's being told to us, what's not being told to us. So if you are an actor in the union listening to this, uh, she has lots of data that I had no idea. I usually kind of just do whatever the mailings say, um, but but she breaks it down. Uh, she, she is part of one of the two factions, I guess, that... Uh, the uh, union members uh, are, can be a part of, and uh, she she is full bore in with uh, how she feels about how things are being run for SAG-AFTRA. Um, but of course, I also wanted to you know keep it light at the same time and and ask her some uh, inside the actor studio questions. And uh, you know she she lets I let her ask me some things at the end. So this is a fabulous talk. I mean, I we this is our first discussion, um, and uh, she even reunited me after the interview with the handsome boy Ma. Modeling school official hat uh, from the show Get a Life, and uh, I even uh, it's a lot of I'm it's all Get a Life with me, but still. I saw Robin on so many things. She's been part of so many things. I'm going to start yammering. I'm going on about as long as her credit list on IMDb. So let me just give you the interview. This is my sit down with experienced, fabulous actress Robin Riker. <laughs> Start. 
We'll just start. Okay, hi. All right. Uh, <laughs> this is Socially Awkward with Evan Wexel, and I am doing episode number 50, a milestone. And I think uh, the term jump the shark was like, was from happy days where, you know, you really like, you go and like, you put all your cards in. And I've kind of done that at this episode of my Facebook friends because I've, I've jumped the shark with my Facebook friends and invited uh, one of my, maybe one of my heroes, I think, because, you know, oh. you were, you were in one of my favorite shows uh, growing up and now we're across from each other and it's a treat to welcome uh, actress extraordinaire, <laughs> soaps, TV, author, uh, advocate of the working actor, I guess. Amen, brother. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to welcome to episode 50 of Socially Awkward with Evan Wexel, Robin Riker. Hello there. Hello. Hello. Thank you for choosing to engage in this nonsense with me. Um, (laughs) We met, I think, through Kathy Rubin was our connection. Um, Because you were at a show. She put on uh, It's Just My Life. That was a collective of uh, different women each telling their story. My wife, like, told her newborn baby mom, new mom story. It's a wonderful show. It it was. I think she's... She's been putting it up with various like rotations mm-hmm. of women, and you were there, and I was like, "This is amazing!" Like I've had the it's kind of, it's cool like to be in Los Angeles. You have the opportunity like your paths to cross with these people that you know they've they've meant they've meant a lot to you. So it's good to be across from you. Uh, thank you for coming on. First of all, um, I'm not even sure what what to say first. Um, well, let me just let yeah, me say, yeah, say, what do you, say what you got to say. It's very nice to be sitting across from someone to whom I mean a lot. That's good. <laughs> so uh, that's very nice. Thank you. Uh, yes. Now we could just end right here. Yeah. Let's. <laughs> thanks for coming on uh, yeah, episode fifty. Um, hopefully, you guys will get in multiple podcasts you can listen to now that this episode is over. Um, <laughs> but in the meantime, uh, you're a. It says on your book, your book, a survivor's guide to Hollywood, uh, how to play the game without losing your soul. I will ask about that, but I obviously it says you're a third generation actress on both sides of my family. Holy cow! Yeah. So, so did you catch the bug, or at a certain age, or was it just kind of like the way it was? I think it was in the DNA. Yeah. You know, because my mother's mother was an amateur actress. Right. My mother was a professional, and she wrote and directed and all of that. My yeah. father's father right. was a clown in Ringling Brothers, Ooh. which I am particularly delighted by. Holy cow. And um, and then my father was a professional who worked with, you know, in film and television and stage and wow. all of that. So it just was sort of always in the house, you know? Yeah. And so it never... And my dad had a, a children's television show in Pennsylvania called Captain Rick's Showboat. Was this like public, local television? Yeah, oh, it was wow, kind of cool, like the cartoons, cool. you know, yeah, kids come like, home like from Captain school. Captain Kangaroo? But yeah, but he was okay. Captain Rick and he had a showboat <laughs> and his sidekick was Princess Red Dress, right. who was a real Native American and her the dress she wore was her grandfather's right. war shirt. She was little, so it was like a whole dress for her. And right. my, we had a parrot named Clyde and he wow. would sit on my father's shoulder. So probably the very first time I was on television, I was one of the kids yeah. in the audience watching the show. Are you from Pennsylvania? No, or? born in New York, Beth oh, Israel Hospital. There Manhattan. we go. I'm from New York as well. Are you? You know, Rikers oh. Island is us. Oh, oh, what? Yes. I mean, not the prison dog. Right. But, but, um, but the island itself, the Dutch, Rikers yeah. is a Dutch name. The Brits get all the credit for settling, you know, the new world. But yeah. it was the Dutch who started it. And the Dutch came over in 1600s. 
Okay. And they owned a lot of New York, and Rikers Island was one of the pieces of land they owned. Uh-huh. And um, and it, then they sold it in the 1800s to the city, and the city turned it into a prison. But uh, and but you're are you tied to it then? Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's my you know ancestor. So, so it's your island. Yes. This is. I'm not proud of that now, right now. Now, but. having done 50 other interviews with different Facebook friends, I did have an, a friend where she's from Letterac, Pennsylvania. And her last name is Letterac. Oh. So, so I guess her town somehow she knew it. Yeah, but yeah, she well, didn't have a. She didn't tell you how. I don't. Uh, it involved like her ancestors as yeah, well. Sure. But it's. I mean, Rikers Island. I mean, hey, I know many a punchline have been and made about. I know it. And dig this. My uh, the first electric truck was yeah. in New York in Brooklyn, and it was a Riker vehicle. Oh my gosh. I don't know about that. And there used to be a chain of drugstores, Riker. You'd think I'd be wealthy. Yes. Everything is good. Um, so, wow. So, so from New York, grew up in like in Manhattan or? No, I only lived in New York for a couple of years. And, and because my parents were in the theater, we kept getting run out of town. So you're like nomads. Yes, we moved okay. all over. I never okay. lived anywhere longer than two years. Okay, and when did you move out here? Um, I moved to Northern California a long time ago, and then I moved right. to Southern California in about 1980. Okay. So. Now, were you doing acting stuff in Northern California? Uh-huh. Or, oh, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. As a matter of fact, I finished it, it would be when I just before I came down here. Yeah. I was doing a uh, play called The Cherry Orchard, okay. and it was at the, what was it called? I can't remember Manhattan Playhouse. I think they called it. It okay. was, but it was in Palo Alto. Oh okay. yeah. And um, I finished the show. It was the last step of the show. The show. I jumped in the car with two of my friends, and yeah. with three of my friends, and we went to Mexico, and then uh, came back, and I packed and moved to LA. <laughs> it was great. How, how would you? Obviously, like people move to LA all the time. Do you feel like the experience is the same for someone that just wants to go out to Los Angeles and? And jump on in, or do you think it's different? You mean as an actor or in yeah, the business? Yeah, no, or just, just like an, as, an, as someone that wants to go into the arts, like an actress or, well, you know, it's in the biz, You know, I produce, think yeah. everything is about your state of mind. That's right. one of the things I say in the book. The most important right. tool you have here, no matter what you're doing, frankly, no matter where you are in the world, yeah. is your state of mind. If yeah. you, if you uh, can trust your instincts and you expect good things to happen, they yeah. usually do, but you have to be careful of the company you keep. Right, because okay, because the book again it's called uh, "Survivor's Guide to Hollywood: How to Play the Game Without Losing Your Soul." Um, I, I get, I assume you've you've witnessed others lose their soul along oh, the yeah. way. Yeah, what have been like the most common traps then for being in in the biz? Like, I mean, my I have like random audition stories and, yeah. and Hollywood stories, and you know, almost I I almost got into SAG after by by a. Uh, by playing a part where I just had to like do a mangina. I don't know if you know what that is. It's basically no. you, you, you you tuck your junk between your legs uh-huh. and you cross your legs, and that's oh. called a mangina. <laughs> that was Th- the that skill was, required. That, there was an audition where I actually had I did have to drop trow during an audition, but they were gonna throw out the tapes. But then the second one, sure we, we, they were. We actually didn't, but. That actually, I didn't feel like I did as good a job in the second one. Like, I needed the reality, but that, <laughs> but I didn't feel like I lost my soul. I merely almost got into the union that way because I was like, well, of it, but still, if, if it didn't, if you didn't feel compromised in no, any way, I, then you didn't lose your soul. I, if you I, were in control of the moment, I didn't. Know? But like most, I guess I, we could, I could ask you like most common ways to lose your soul, or what are some of the ways you you've avoided losing your soul playing the game. Um, Keeping an eye out for your integrity is the way you right. avoid losing your soul. True. Um, and I, I, one of the ways, well, I have, 
Right. When I first came out here, I, I worked for a while at the Improv, right. just doing cocktails. I was auditioning. Oh, wow. I'd, okay. I'd, I'd already done a couple of TV yeah, shows. Yeah. But, you know, you don't always work, so sure. you have to do other things. Right. So, um, and Freddie Prince used to come in. Wow. And we had a mad flirt going on. It was <laughs> absolutely wonderful. And, um, and you know, we were, he <laughs> promised me an evening at the Beverly Hills Hotel, because right. I was holding out for that. You know, right, we, right. we weren't in love. It wasn't like we were going to pick out furniture. It was right. just a mad flirt. Yeah, but um, anyway, uh, and and Freddie was uh, alas one of the big uh, soul loss moments for me, right? Because he kind of got he had everything going for him. He was funny. He was smart. He was handsome. He had a show. Yeah, he was in uh, sought after. But somehow the glare of all the tinsel in this town and uh-huh. you know getting all of that all at once and everything it just. And he killed himself, you know. I wow. mean, and it was. And if he and anyone out there who's checking my stats, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. if he if he drugs did it, you know. Yeah, so yeah, whether totally. he did it deliberately or whether it was the influence of the drugs, it was. Yeah, you know. I mean, I think the nature. One of the first like things I really nodded my head at as a comedian from what another comedian was saying is like, it's funny how like they can build you up so fast oh, yeah. and they can, but it's almost like to tear you down that much faster. Right. So I feel like that's just the thing you've got to understand. Right. Um, I'm like, even like in sports, I'm a Yankee fan and uh, we've got this guy, Aaron Judge, now big slugger, but we've built, they built him up at the all-star break to be like the next Jeter. Uh-huh. And he's been struggling for the past month because he's, I just feel like they built him up so much. They that, put all this on his shoulders. I know. And the kid, he's a rookie. So, you know, I feel like you can get that with, you know, you just get that where you you make it in and you you cross the goal line, you get the touchdown, but then there's like, okay, you've scored the touchdown, now you got to score another one or else, you know, you're either, things are either getting better or worse for you. So you got to, you know, like someone like you where like I scroll your stats and I see your IMDB, it's like you keep keep knocking it out of the park, which is amazing. Um, So that's definitely your advice, I guess, to... You, you have to find a way to balance it. And, like, do you think, like, integrity can kind of, like, be a slingshot point, like a like a pivot point where from, from integrity, like, it just opens up that many more doors? You, you know, think? I think you probably have something there. Because yeah. I th- when you, like I said earlier, when yeah. you, if you expect good things to happen, they usually do. Right. And, um, and you have to, well, I want to get to the integrity thing. Sure. Um, so the, and the state, your state of mind, the way you right. think about things, the way you perceive things is your, is a pivot point, and if integrity is one of the things that you see, right. then you, that's drawn to you, and yeah. you and you have to be careful of the people around here because, as you said about yeah. building up just to tear you down. Yeah, if you meet someone and they give you a weird feeling in your stomach, you're right. <laughs> you know, so be, you know, have a drink with them, go out with them, yeah. whatever you want to do, but don't hang with them right. because if that little thing in your gut. Um, you know why they call it a gut feeling? <laughs> the same neurons, I just learned this, okay. the same neurons that are in our brain are in our gut, oh, our okay. intestine. So when it goes, yeah. you know, hello, wow. pay attention, you know, it's your instinct, oh. all the body-mind connection kind yeah. of, you know. So trust yourself. It doesn't mean don't do the dangerous thing or be with a crazy person for a little bit, but don't hang. Don't make them a part of your tribe. Yeah, and also I think it's every credit, like, for me, like if I'm entering, like say, uh, I did America's Got Talent. Oh, cool! And, and I went into it like 
I could, I could, I could win this. I could go in front of the, I went in front of the judges and, <laughs> I, but, but, and I'm like, I, I was going on right after a guy, an Indian man that sang, I'll make love to you by boys to men. And I'm like, okay, they're going to laugh him off. They're going to let me go through. And the exact opposite happened to me. <laughs> no. And they let me know, like, it's not a competition. Like every show is more just like, it's an exhibition. Um, and having done the gong show over the summer, oh, wow. I was in the gong show and I knew, I knew I was being like, you know, fed for, for that purpose. But others thought they were being fed for, I want to win the $2,017 prize money. But like, and they like, they come back shell shocked and they got to realize there's a bigger picture with any show. Yeah. Especially one where it's like, you're being showcased to like, here you are, and now you can leave because we're good. We're good. We got the shot. So That's it. Yeah. And that's what a lot of auditions are like. You walk yeah. into a room full of cold fish, yes. and none of whom break the ice, or rarely do they. Right. And, um, and you, you know, dance, monkey. Yeah. <laughs> do yeah. your thing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, bye. And uh, I can remember one time, the yeah. very, one of my first interviews, I went in to meet a very famous casting director back in the uh-huh. day named Ruben Cannon. Right. And, um, and I, someone had said, you have to meet her, she's something. Or, so I'm in there, I'm in his office one-on-one with him, yeah. and, he, and the phone starts ringing, he starts answering the calls and talks for a minute and then puts it down and then, oh yeah, you. Yeah. And then, um, so at one point I said, Mr. Cannon, do you think you're even going to remember this conversation with all the calls you're taking? Right. And he picked up the phone and said, hold my calls. Uh. And then we had a conversation, and I worked for him on a couple of shows. Oh, my gosh. So, uh, yeah, so you, you, I see what your point is about the, there is a bigger picture. There, you know, we are just a cog in the machine. Yeah, but I mean, you know, there's always, there's a purpose behind everything. So, I, you know, I've kind of learned to, like, I'm fine with it. Like, yeah. that's just how it was. I wanted to ask you, like, because you go into auditions, how have, has auditions changed for you over the years as you, as you pile up the credits? Like, because you're now known, like you're a known commodity. Right. So how how is it like 1985? I, cause actually, I saw you on an episode, I think, of the A-Team. Oh, yes. I was, I was watching, I I don't know why, I was catching up on all the 80s shows like five years ago on Netflix. Until oh, yeah, I, I got did a lot of those. Them. But uh, yeah, so I had the A-Team. But I'm like, how is like auditioning for like something like the A-Team different than now where you can be like, yeah, I got a recurring on an FX show. That just happened. So... <laughs> It did. That yeah, was fun. Yeah. How's, um, how's it changing? Or Well, sometimes I get offered, but still I have to audition, you right. know? And because I've been here a long time, a lot of the people who are the casting directors have changed. Sure. And so, and they're 12. And, um, <laughs> you know, they don't they don't have the same sense of right. the industry as the as the old timers did, right. you know? And there are a lot of still, I don't mean everybody's like 104, but, yeah. you know, there's still a lot of the really good ones around. Right. And, um... So sometimes I get offered stuff, but I have to go to an audition for yeah. things as well. But the thing that, that kind of to your point about, I knew there was a picture, bigger picture I was being fed in. Right, for, right. Um, I, uh, you know, the audition is the job. Yeah. You, that's, we have to look at it that way. We, you know, I have two auditions tomorrow, and so tomorrow I'm going to work. Right. And when I'm done, I'm going to go treat myself to something fun. And, sure. But I look at it as that is my job. Yeah. If I get the gig and I get paid for it, that's f- fabulous. You yeah. know, that's gravy. But my job is to be able to audition and do well and do what I want to do in the room each time. And if I did that, I went to work and had a good day. Yeah. Do you still work? Do you still like study acting or work with others or like no, workshop kind of, stuff? Or? I kind of like I 
when I grew up, I was all yeah. on the job training, you know, we were, yeah. my, but I had to audition for my parents. They didn't just give me the parts. Oh, wow. And so when your own mother tells you, you know, we're going another way, <laughs> you, um, <laughs> you can't really call your agent and complain. So yeah. I was, I was toughened up for it. But, um, so I do a lot of plays and I do a lot of readings and I write and yeah. read other people's things. So I just kind of, cause it's going part of your DNA. It's it like, kind of, I can yeah. go like month in between shows and I'll just get up on stage. Like I hadn't missed a beat. So. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Um, what was, what was like when you moved here or even earlier, was there like a first like big win where you realized it's more than just being like second nature, like in my DNA, like I know I have the chops. Was there like a a credit you got where it was like, no, there wasn't a credit. uh, There was, what it was, was what it was, was, um, My mother was uh, working on her doctorate at Syracuse University, and okay. Syracuse University was one of the first universities to ever bring professionals, not academics, yeah. but professionals from the theater world to yeah. teach. So Arthur Storch, who was a very famous Broadway director, very famous. No relations like Larry Storch? Yes, his brother. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. And so yeah. good on you. I and, only know that from a Married with Children episode. That's oh, like really? half of my education <laughs> is from watching that series. So. Oh, you have a very interesting <laughs> education. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I, I was about to make the move. To I mean, I had been working at a bar and right. doing theater up in uh, Northern California. Sure. And then the owners of the bar offered me a percentage of the bar. Wow. So, you know, I was it was like a straight, real job. And yeah. I was 21. Yeah. And they were going to give me, you know, th- and I thought, oh, my God, uh, you know, I have to decide. Am yeah. I going to bet on that and stay here? Or am I going to bet on me and do the thing that I always wanted to do? Yeah. So I bet on myself. Yeah. And so th- so before I yeah. made that final decision, I said to my mother, I'm going, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go down to L.A. That's yeah. what I want to do. You know, I need some. She said, you should come back and do an audition for Arthur Storch. And um, so I went in to meet him and I had prepared a piece from uh, Joan of Arc. Uh-huh. And um, and I did it for him, and he sat back and waited for a minute, and it was quite, and not a minute, but yeah. the thirty seconds seemed like a minute. And then he said, well, "You got it. You should wow. definitely go and give it a try. Wow. You, could, you could do it." Yeah. So that was that, for me. That was a professional that wasn't related to me, who was who wasn't going to go. Well, honey, you was so good, <laughs> you know. But somebody, wow. who, you know, my mother was never like that. She was brutally <laughs> frank. That was very similar to how I got into comedy. I was doing really? this, uh, sports marketing seminar at NYU Uh and our final group presentation was on like the agent and the WNBA or something and I just did hand puppets during my part of the portion (laughs) and the professor was like yeah good job but you should probably get on stage so that's (laughs) how I I had my eye on the club the comedy club and stand up and that's just yeah fine I took a class thereafter and I started the same day as I started my next day job internship and how did you feel the first time you went up oh I knew like because I started by taking a class so you know you take the class to cultivate five minutes of material that you cycle through with the teacher every over eight weeks and I, I made sure I got on stage before that, like, show for the, you know, the friends and family when you're done. You know, like, uh, right. And I was like, and I knew I was going to, I just wanted to be terrible as soon as possible. Like, get the terrible out of the way as soon as I could. But then I also, like, you know, I, I go on stage, like, I'm going to do so great. They're going to they're gonna pass me. I'm going to be a regular now. I'll get my Comedy Central. This, this bit about McDonald's and <laughs> hooking up with girls is gold, and I'm going to make it. <laughs> this metaphor is amazing. But uh, it, oh, that's the hardest thing to start. But, you know, if I were to, like, r- listen back to maybe my early stuff, you, you could see the seeds. 
Yeah. Like all the seeds are there. You've just got to cultivate and like let it grow. And you could just like riff off anything now. Because right. a bit's just like, I learned from my teacher, a bit's like 30 to 45 seconds. Like that's a stand up bit. Then you just go on to the next sure, thing. Sure, exactly. On to the next thing. I did take a class, um, yeah. a stand up class, because I lived with a comic for a sure. long time and was hanging with all the comics. And, yeah. And um, so I did take a stand up class. And uh, it was fun. And I just started to get my material, you know, and got a little bit going. But yeah. it's, I don't know if I would ever do it, but I, it was kind of fun. Yeah. And speaking of kind of fun, I have to now ask you about uh, the fa- my favorite, one of my favorite shows growing up that you were on, uh, Sharon Potter. Oh! <laughs> I don't know if you're thinking of another thing I was going to bring up. But, uh, no, Get a Life was, was my jam. Oh, I'm so when glad. I, when, I was, when I was, yeah, I mean, that's living the dream, being 30 and a paper boy. <laughs> And living in your parents' garage, and you being his his uh, nemesis, I guess. Yeah, that's what uh, I always called her. What What would you? I mean, I got to ask a few questions. I mean, like first, you know, the the chemistry with Chris Elliott. How was it? Have you? Yeah, how was it? Just like on the set, was he like shooting the breeze or just throwing zingers out all the time? He, he was a really nice guy. He yeah. was completely different than the character that he played. Oh, okay. but he was very, very. Um, <laughs> You know, he had a wife and two kids, and yeah. they were, you know, and, and he and he loved his dad, and his dad played his dad, yeah, you know. Yeah, and, that was uh, the best. That's what my mom loved. Yeah, yeah. It was lovely. It was really fun. And Sam Robards played my husband, and he was wonderful in it. And yes. we all got along like a house of fire. It was great. What was the, it says on the back of your book, like one episode was like a top oh, yeah. 50 moments. Yes. What, yes. What, what was the episode? It was called Zoo Animals on Wheels. <laughs> and so Sharon is the, the sort of the mistress of the community theater wherever the town was that we lived and um, and Chris comes in to audition and we're doing like but it's cats but it's called you can't do cats so you're doing zoo animals on wheels I played Lady Stripes and they just kind of pushed me out on my skates like I couldn't and then he was the lonely wildebeest and he and he pitches a fit and I pitch a fit and then but because he's the star of the show much to my chagrin I have to chase him down and we have this scene in a doghouse where I have to pretend that I think he's wonderful and the theater can't go on without him so I lure him back and uh, and is it the whole episode or was like a moment like was there a it was scene? the whole episode wow, the whole yeah. episode was called one of the 50 well they say 50 funniest moments right on in tv history yeah i was yeah. so thrilled to find yeah. that out no i mean obviously like the handsome boy episode where he becomes a model is funny i think the moment from that the zoo animals on wheels i don't know if you remember this uh eleanor donahue was the mom yeah she the moment where like they do you do the performance and then you guys start jumping off of stage and start roaming through the audience. <laughs> right. Eleanor Donahue has this moment where she just like 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 flinches because she's like generally like terrified about these like weird human creatures coming in her face, and they're all trying. How yeah. does it feel? Yeah. When right. It doesn't feel good. Now isn't that true? Yeah, very yeah. good. Yeah, oh, I don't know. This is ingrained. I have I, mean, I had the DVDs. I want to watch them, but uh, again, uh, yeah, that was amazing. Um, I mean, and that w- that episode. So allowed. There's so many funny things that we say in show business, you know. Yeah. But you know, wait, hold on, we're waiting for the giraffe to get his skates on. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just normal. Yeah, yeah. How and how? I, spoken to Chris Elliott recently. I guess I have to ask: Have you guys? Do you stay in touch at all over the years? I no, mean, we I, haven't really. Yeah. I, a few years ago, he was doing a, a pilot yeah. for another show, and we right. I went in to read for him and and uh, meet with him. And yeah. It was, uh, 
And that was nice. Like you know, not having like a beat or... No, it was yeah, yeah, really yeah, yeah. friendly. He was happy to see me, yeah. big hug and all of that. That's but, awesome. Uh, yeah, it was very nice. Yeah, well, I saw him recently in like something called... It's on Netflix movies, like Half a Star. It's called like Frat Star. It's about like fraternities pledging. But he's like the dad oh. of, of like who used to be in the fraternity and like tries to play it all cool with the current oh, right. fraternity. Yeah. Yeah, so he would be good at that. He was really good at that. Um, was it ever like you'd always with Get a Life? You always just able to, like just to play along with like whatever like was being pitched because obviously there were storylines where it's like in this episode, Spewy is going to be right. the one that's going to be shooting stuff everywhere. Right? Like, were you willing to just like play the game? Oh, like, absolutely. Yeah, that absolutely. sounded that was part of the fun. Yeah. Um, I guess again, overall, I mean, is there a most seamless thing you've done credit wise? Like. Was there some like an, a part you played where it's like this was no work at all because it fit me like a glove? Was Les Liaisons Dangereuses, a, a play, okay. Dangerous Liaisons, uh-huh. and we did it at a, a theater right here, and I, yeah. I, I, I loved it. I loved it. I played what the Glenn Close role you would call it. Okay, and um, but uh, the theater I love the most. Right. Uh, it, I mean, I like it all. I love doing it all. Yeah, but yeah. you know, as a storyteller, you get to tell the story from beginning to end. And you the live interaction. You mean yeah. like a, okay? Yeah, and you, you, I mean, you tell the story like in film or television. You know, right. we're just meeting, and then okay, take off your clothes. We're going to be the, do the sex scene first. <laughs> okay. You know, so you don't yeah. have you don't, and you tell the story all out of. Order often sure. is shot all out of order. Sure. It's for the convenience of the shooting, not for the, conven- the, the convenience of the story. Yeah. So, but on stage and on uh, sitcoms where you go, where you do the whole pl- thing right. Like more right. seen in the, one yeah. piece. On the same stage. You get to tell the story from beginning to end. So I can bi- we can build to the moment of passion right. and thereby have it seem more real. Yes. Or we can, you know... Whatever it is, you get a chance to build up to it. And so, what you, was your part in this play? That was it. Like, was well. Have you seen Dangerous Liaison, the film with Glenn Close? And, I, I have not. And uh, John Malkovich. It was a. It was based on a novel. Okay. And it was a pr- uh, Broadway play, and okay. then they made a film of it. And it's yeah. uh, it it's about the um, French Revolution. Yeah. And the upper class and the sexual yeah. liaisons and games that are played and the yeah. and all of that. It was very very sophisticated and it, and uh, it was and really just like fun. that. That's your that's your yeah. I love yeah, that. I love it. I love that. I uh, love it all though. Yeah. I mean, have has there been? Um, I guess I'd ask: Is there someone you would you would love to work with again that you've worked with oh. in the past? I'm gonna get some. These are random acting biz questions. I'm just gonna. Oh, that's interesting. Who would you want to... It's amazing. Besides everyone. Besides everyone? Yes. Well, not everyone. I can tell you that. Um, (laughs) uh, Kali, you would think I would have this on the tip of my tongue, but I don't. Can we revisit this? Okay. Who would you still like to work with? Who would I still like? Oh, Ed Asner at any time. Oh, that's right. He's on the... Yes, he did your foreword. Yeah, and he's... But he also... We did a series together called Thunder Alley for ABC. He played my dad, and that was a lot of fun. Haley Joel Osment was really wonderful, and now he played my son, and now he's on... um, Silicon he Valley. He's got. Yeah, a, he was also in. I think it was, he was in a movie recently. No, he was in a. I forgot what movie it was. It was like a Netflix movie. And I saw him in. It was pretty good. Oh yeah. I forgot what they. I have to look it up. He's how he's, old was he then when he was? He doing, was six or yeah. something. Yeah. Wow. And uh, so him, and then I'd love to work with um, with uh, Gregory Harrison again. Okay. We had a lot of fun. That was okay. great. We did a movie together. What, what was the movie? It was called Body Chemistry 2, Voice okay. of a Stranger. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, we are about to switch gears here in my talk with Robin Riker. Uh, but first, I want to switch gears by telling you guys about Patreon.com. That is a website that you can support me through monthly. Uh, for as little as a dollar a month, you can help keep this podcast afloat. That is helping it expand and flourish in the podcast arena. Uh, again, a little as a dollar a month makes a difference. Uh, I offer reward tiers to anyone who contributes. $3 a month, you are part of my awkward army. $5 a month, I am sending you an MOXL cell phone wallet. And there are endless other tiers, such as credits, producing credits, uh, title sponsorship. I will make the title of this podcast whatever you want. It, it, it will have Socially Awkward with MOXL. But what you want to put in it is is totally up to you. Um, you can even get con- consultations by me. Um, but the key thing is you are going to help make podcasting great again. So please, uh, patreon.com slash funny Evan. And now let's get back to guest number 50, episode number 50, Robin Riker. Very cool. Okay, I'm gonna I want to hit on another random thing. Um, because oh, I forgot I was gonna bring over my my SAG board of directors ballot because oh, I yeah. was gonna get your advice. Oh, good. Because I don't know. I I look at I'm kind of in the whole SAG after thing from afar a little bit. Like the most I've done has been like background. I probably did more background work than like even like principal work. But um, you know, it seems like. How would you describe it? There's always whenever like negotiations come around, there's always like membership first or united for strong or right. like is it it seems like there's always out those like the two factions. Is that just the way it is or alas it yeah. when I got in yeah. to the board that yeah, was right. the way it was. Yeah. I ran with membership first initially because they believed and stood for more of the things that I believed and stood for. Right. I, it wasn't because I wanted to affiliate with a particular party. Yeah. I just found that they were much more attentive to the members right. and the, and and when I came, I, I like most people yeah. I just I just trusted. I operated on blind faith for a sure. lot of my time. I've been a member of the union for like forty years. Yeah, and um, and I just assumed that they were doing the doing right by us. Right. And then in two thousand nine, I learned about a, a massive embezzlement from our pension and health fund. Okay. And then and right around this time, merger was really being pushed. Right. And so I got involved and I started really educating myself and I was shocked yeah. at what I learned about how little oversight there is, how our dues money is profligately spent. Yeah. And um and the that the staff at the union has a better pension and health than we do. Yeah. And a further embezzlements and malfeasance have happened just at the beginning of 2017, 3.4 million dollars was discovered as embezzled yeah. from the AFTRA fund this wow. time. So I I M membership first okay. all the way okay. there we have so these are like two official it's because it's it, i mean it feels like you know democrat republican in a way like it does and fashion. it is rather like that it yeah. is rather like that and and um the thing that puzzles me the most is these policies that that uh, I, let me just back yeah, up a little yeah. bit so i never knew about membership first or unite for strength right. until around 2009 when i began to be involved and then i ran for the board yeah and then so for 2009 until 2000 15 or something I was really active behind the scenes just you know trying to educate everybody about merger letting people know what was really going on and then I was urged to run for the board and that's when I got into membership first because they believed more 
the way I did. Were you in favor of the merger? Like No. Okay. Because we were not given all the information. Okay. For one thing, after it was three months away from bankruptcy. Right. And the people wow. that, that were negotiating this deal, David White, National Executive Director, right. um, you know, Ken Howard, all the all the people right. that were in power as you as it were, right. um, knew about all this and they did not allow the membership to know about this. Not only was after three months away from bankruptcy, they had eleven they claimed that they had eleven thousand more dues paying members than they did. Right. And if we had done it when two big things merge, you you do an audit to see how well how everything goes together. And yeah. they did didn't do that, mm-hmm. and th- but they knew SAG knew that after was so it was more of a bailout of after than okay. it was a merger. Okay, and so since then we've become more like AFTRA and less like SAG used to be. Okay, for instance, we now have uh, a convention which uh, costs us a million dollars every two years. Just members come together from it's, around the world. Yes, and, and we and some people. Yeah. yeah, but really, yeah. it's just a big party. Right. It's not nothing happens. I've been to two conventions. It's like AIG. And, <laughs> yes, I guess so. Yeah, and and nothing really happens. And um, and it's an opportunity, yes, for the locals to come and together yeah. and meet one another. But it's nothing we couldn't do by. Skype or right. by I mean so we spend all this money on lunches and parties and breakfasts and cocktails and and you know give away swag and, and on hotels that, yeah. and all that mm-hmm. and we fly people in at great expense and then wow. we have a big gala you know right. and if we were man- managing our money better I mightn't feel so badly about that but right. for instance right, right when we merged yeah we had buildings in New York that we uh, could have put everybody in, yeah. you know, but no, they wanted to be all fancy and sex everything up. And so without leasing out the buildings they had, they moved into a new building, spent millions. Okay. So five or six million dollars were spent yeah. on nothing. Those okay. are our, the only money that the union gets is from our dues. And wow. Okay. Yeah. And, and then we pay... Instead of buying the building at 5757 Wilshire, which they've been urged to do for eight years and years and years, right. we spent $60 million in rent on it. Oof. And we could buy a building. WGA owns a building. Oh, DGA wow. owns a building. IATSE owns a building. They yeah. lease it out. They make money, you know, to provide services. Yeah. And we're not doing any of that. I don't huh. know where the money is going. And the other thing that puzzles me a lot is yeah. that all of these, the Unite for Strength people, right. um, are also being injured by the very policies that they are passing. So I don't understand the reasoning. They were urging and urging that we pass this contract. Look at this. Right. They that's... Spent, look at this. $250,000. I just uh-huh. want to make sure everyone heard that. $250,000 <laughs> on sending out five postcards that's, to that's, get us to vote yes on a contract that is the worst we've ever had. Right. That, that's the from the impartial exter- exterior viewpoint the way I receive things. And it, well, first, how the, how the merger went down for me is like when I was on a set, like sometimes you'd have reps visit and they'd talk to us about why we should vote for the merger and like, you know, the, the metaphor of like it's joint negotiating power, which I can see. Um, but at the same time, with when the, you know, whenever the, the contracts come around, you know, we get all this, we get all, you know, propaganda or the mailings That's or whatever. What it is, yeah. But, you know, it's every, I mean, everything's propaganda, but at the same time, it's like, these are like three good bullet points. Vote for it, and usually, like these things usually pass with like two thirds voting yes. And I think the last one was like seventy five percent voted to pass it. Yes, but it's so, only it's only fifteen percent of the membership that does it. So it's seventy five percent of fifteen percent. Because like yeah, I think 
probably, I don't know if my wife even got the vote. Like part of it is probably just like, they know, you know, we assume they know what they're doing. They're, right. They use great Photoshop to make those flyers. They do not know what they're doing. <laughs> okay. And if they do know what they're doing and they think this is what they should be doing, okay. they are doing a disservice to every okay. member of the union. Well I, well, I bubbled you in on my ballot. I know that. Thank I you. I bubbled you in. Are, are any, anyone else I should bubble in? Or, I, uh, honestly, I know this sounds like exactly the divide in the nation right now. but yeah, I Let's know, divide it. Why but, not? <laughs> Every person running on membership first, you should vote for. Okay. Every person running. Right. I mean, but it's very important too. Uh, when you get your ballots, there's an air. You know, you can only vote for a certain number of people right. in each area. Right. And if you don't pay attention to how many you vote for, and you vote for one too many, they will throw your ballot out. Okay. So be very careful, all of you out right, there listening right. who might vote. So, and there are two candidates running. Gabrielle Carteris should not ever be elected oh. as president. Never, ever, ever. I've been in board meetings now, dozens of board meetings with her. Right. And whenever anyone wants to ask a question yeah. about the veracity of something that we're being told, she will shut them down. Right. Uh, and um, she never wants to... T- I. There was a, a petition signed by 1,600 union members, 1,600, okay. and many of them household names, yes. that was saying, we want transparency and accountability on these issues. Right. It was presented to the Board of Trustees, Gabriel Carteris, and uh. National Executive David White, and David White said, a letter signed by thousands, I don't care. Huh. That is a direct quote huh. from the man who is supposed to be looking out for the best interest by law. Of uh, the union. See, me, who's like half union member and half fans of everyone that's in the union, <laughs> I'm like, et tu, Andrea Zuckerman, et tu. <laughs> no, you were so good at running the paper at West Beverly. <laughs> what happened? Uh, yeah, that, that sucks. I so, mean, because I'm, I'm like, I'm always a fan, you know, me being not fully engaged, because I, I mean, I don't do a lot of like union acting work. I'm more a comedian that travels the road and I'm like a loner in the Waffle House yeah. late at night. But it's like, I feel like the people that are successful that I've heard of, sometimes I'll just vote for them because I trusted who they were in character. I trusted yes. who they were in the parts they played. And I, I loved Andrea. Andrea, <laughs> like, I, would totally, I think I, I might have already voted for her for this one. I apologize in advance. Oh, we did you send your ballot me. in already? I haven't sent in the board. Actually, I'll, I'll check it over. I yeah. don't know. Uh, because she, she uh, anyway, I don't want to get, no, I, but I, she's I, not a good president. She's okay. not, she doesn't represent the people. Okay. And she wasn't voted by the in by right. the people. She inherited in Ken Howard's. Grandfather clause, yeah. yeah she of, inherited okay. his term. Okay. Um, Fair enough. I mean, but I want to do, say one thing. Okay. There, there are two other candidates that yes. for running for president. Isai Morales is the head of, right. the, of the membership first ticket right. and he works all the contracts and he knows you know he's he's right. um, and there's and then there's a candidate named Pete Antico who's a stunt man he's running as an independent he's got a business background he's very very savvy about how to he's been an actor he's worked the background contracts right. and by the way membership first is the only uh, of those two factions, yeah. that the only one who's fought for background okay. to have a seat. UFS okay. doesn't want background to even right. have a seat on the board. And um, I mean, so anyway, we are the, on the. I mean, having been background for like, I've been standing on Westworld, Goldbergs, and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, we're you know we're kind of like we know like where we stand on the totem pole, but you know it's it, we it's cool to be included. Like it's always like to be able to do like background on a union. Anytime you're on a set, it's like it's so valuable. Yes, yes, so, it's great. Yeah, but you it, should be taken care of. You should have representation in yes. the boardroom. You pay dues just like everybody I, I else. Do. 
I know? do. I mean, my, my, I think my, and again, limited experience, my dream is just like, and I think a lot of members' dreams is just like, I just want the health insurance. That's what we're yes, going for. Yes, well, this is true, and it's a great thing to have, but it is in jeopardy. Right. It's in jeopardy because the trustees that are right. responsible for that, who are appointed by Unite for Strength, yes. have paid no attention to what's going on and embezzlement after embezzlement has occurred. And yeah. our trustees are the ones who voted that we should get less yeah. good he- health insurance uh-huh. and pension than the staff that we pay. It, that was Unite for Strength and Gabrielle Carteris putting that in, uh, you know, that right, group. Right. So w- health insurance is a great thing, but it, you, membership first is the people are the people who are paying attention to what's really going on. I just, you know, the, the ultimate, like, optimist in me would would, would be like, would, like, if there's a red and a blue, is there a purple party that's possible? Like, you guys obviously oh. both want the same thing. We both, no, we oh, don't. Okay. Oh, okay. We don't want the same thing. Well, there's thing. the, so there we go. That's, yeah. the, that's what I thought. I mean, it would be nice if, if, if we... If there were a purple party, I mean, that right. would be great. But there is such vehemence okay. on on one side, on the UFS side, okay. frankly. They, they've just drunk massive amounts of Kool-Aid. Okay. And it's, it's sad. And it's also a lot of the people that are, rep- sit on the board for Unite for Strength right now, I'm sure are very nice people, uh-huh. but most of them don't work the contracts. Their careers have become being board members and running committees okay. and having, you know, okay. and, and so, um, so it's good to have people who okay. work, okay. you know, yeah. and have know what's going on. Some of them work, of course, yeah. but it's, it's just, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. And, and a question about like the scene right now with like, with money and the business, like, with all the advent of like streaming and Netflix right. and all these alternative ways of getting content, is is money still readily available for for actors and putting on productions? Is it easier now to hook up with a project? You think now, just given the scheme of like like Amazon Prime? And well, there are certainly more avenues, but right. the but what you get paid for doing them is diminishing and diminishing okay. and diminishing. I mean. Now they and we're this moving is, away from cable. Like I mean, I, I got rid of my cable. And I have YouTube TV right. now. But, but here's yeah. what's happened: is that the producers. I my very first television series was a show called Brothers. It was the very first television series on right. Showtime on cable. Yeah, and it was the very first show to ever feature act oh, openly gay characters. Right, and um, we ran for five years, and. Back then, the producers were saying, well, you know, we figure, you know, we're not sure whether cable's really going to be a thing, so we're not going to pay you that much, and, you know, residuals won't be that good, but, because, you know, we have to lay the cable and get the subscribers, and we'll give you money later, and they never did, and same thing with, with, um, with new media. It's not new media anymore. This media has been around for a decade. Yeah. And SAG... I mean, the ads are there. The ads are still everywhere. It's just a wonder if it's like... But the actors, the performers, have never gotten our share. And this last contract, there's a thing called working in wages where all actors, anybody can come and talk about what you think is most important to be discussed in the contract negotiation. Then it all gets boiled down. All the people who come vote on what they think. Top of the list of this negotiation was residuals from from these other media. And it was top of the list, number one. And... Uh, David White, our current executive director, and Gabrielle Carteris and the other people on the negotiating yeah. team did not even let it come to the table. Yeah. The number one thing that all of us are concerned about. So, yes, there are more opportunities to work, uh-huh. but there is less money on the table for okay. actors. And the current administration at yeah. SAG, AFTRA, 
is uh, has negotiated the worst contract in our history, and yeah. and then spent two hundred and fifty thousand of our dollars to try to convince us to do it. I don't. I only know one person who voted yes on the contract, and I know hundreds of people who now voted no. I know two, no. but I didn't know. I apologize. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> on this one, well, nobody knows. Right. This is why. The, because honestly, I, I'm. I kid you not. If right. if we don't get the reins back and and start paying attention to the members and using our investments wisely and fighting for what it is we believe in, right. this union is going to be irrelevant in two years. Right. And I think just like the principle of always like it wouldn't hurt for once maybe turn down the first deal so yeah. that maybe the second deal is always going to be better. That's kind of what like with the baseball strike of like 94 when we lost the World Series, like we just kept turning. It was good. We were turning down. We were looking for better deals. But eventually, you know, you can reach the deal. I mean, in 94, we didn't. But, you know, we ended NBA lockouts. I mean, what I hear with right. labor disputes is like sports. You always this, want the better deal. The strike is the only weapon that a union really has. Yeah. And this negotiating team did not even get a strike authorization before they went in. It's like, you know, you walk in, you show, you put your gun on the table. This is what I got, you know? And I just think a better practice would just be like to be able to cultivate a viewpoint where, uh, like I listen to this guy who's like a more business, real estate finance. He's like, dude, I would just redo all your deals. Every deal you got credit card, call them up, get a better deal. Like mortgage, call them up, refinance. There's always better deals. So I feel like the last few negotiations or the times like the ballots have come to my house. It's always been like. Okay, sure. Let's just sweep this in as the. That's yes, what I did for years. Yes, for years okay. until two thousand nine, and okay. most people do. And that, yeah. and so in the course of us closing our eyes yeah. and just living our lives, yeah. we've let the union start to slip away, okay. and it's really critical that we get it back. I mean, younger people yeah. uh, coming up—they're right. not going to have a pension. They're not going to have a health. You know. Yeah, uh, I'm getting into affiliate marketing just as a side gig, so that I can. Uh, just get extra residual income that way. I'm like, I mean, I was on affiliate now, so I'm trying to like buy this basketball hoop, and then I'll get forty bucks. So Perfect. yeah, that's, that's my good to be residuals of Plan B. But yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, definitely one. But the other good thing about there being so many venues is that if you don't, if you're not concerned about getting paid, yeah. you have outlets to put your creative stuff before people. Right. You know, your movie or your web web series or your right. Your whatever you want to do. Because, so. yeah, one time I did go to one union meeting. It was, like, at a hotel in Sherman Oaks. I think it was an Anne-Marie Johnson was uh-huh, one time. Yeah. And I remember just, like, being around other members. And, you know, the main narrative they have is just, I want my money. Where would my money go? Give me, pay me. I mean, if you got it, owe it to you, definitely. But it seems like, you know, that's, that's always the thing. You know, equal exchange. You just want equal exchange for what you're worth because, you know, right. we're the ones that drive the culture. Yes. So, and here's a different, there's a wonderful actor named Michael Bell yeah. who um, happens to be on Membership First, too. Okay. And, but he said the difference uh, between Membership First and Unite for Strength is that Membership First thinks you should be paid what it is that you're worth. Right. And Unite for Strength just thinks you should be, consider yourself lucky to <laughs> get paid at all. And um, that's a pretty big difference. That's the difference between like me trying to get a spot at like the Laugh Factory and me going to a college and getting like, oh, there's my mortgage from that show. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean, it's very difficult to live on residuals now. And some some shows uh, pay. It's not like you get your salary for each episode and then you get residuals. They pay you your salary and in incorporated in that salary are your future residuals oh that's weird yeah yeah i mean and this group let it happen 
My wife did one under five on a show, and I think she gets like eight cent checks. So I know, know more to send does it. That, yeah. yeah, I know. Should be like a threshold we can accumulate up to. Okay, this was very, that was amazing. Like that's that's hard nosed information right there. You're like an investigative reporter. That was, May that, I say yeah. to people to go yeah, to yeah. learn more? Yes. To go go to membershipfirst.com. Yes. And um and it will there'll be a lot of information there to okay. read. Okay. I do want to ask you other non non membership first SAG after Great. thing because this, this has been fabulous so far. Um, since since you're in, an actor of actors, uh, I would like to ask you some inside the actor studio questions. Okay. Yes. Oh. Uh, oh, I should so, prepare. So, so, so Ms. Riker, uh, what is your favorite word? Motherfucker, I believe. Okay. <laughs> Good. I will submit the explicit request to iTunes after this episode. That's fine. What is your least favorite word? Um, no. Okay. Good. Good. Um, Actually, probably my favorite word is yes. Okay, good. But the word that comes readily to my lips often Uh, is the other. (laughs) Right. That's how not to lose your soul in Hollywood. Uh, is this book on Amazon, by the way? Is it, it is on okay. Amazon. Oh, good. I will put a link in my show notes for it. Oh, that would be yes. wonderful. And could you also put a link to my website, yes. robinreicher.com? Ab- absolutely. Because here's the deal. Yeah. if you It costs the same wherever you buy it. Yes. But if you go to my website, then I can autograph it ah. and send it to you. And, um, and, and I get actually a little more of the money that oh, way. Oh, good. Yeah. And if you send it to me, I'll write Robin's name on it as well. And I'll just write Robin Riker on it, and then I'll send it back to Is them. Is this your and, affiliated marketing that you're doing uh, here? <laughs> it's, it's fine. Uh, what, I guess, this was another inside the actor studio question. Is there another profession you would have, besides acting, wanted to attempt? Yes. I want, in order, as I was growing up, I wanted to be a stripper, okay. a veterinarian, and an archaeologist. I'm sure that could be a character on the new season of Glow that's coming <laughs> back to Netflix. <laughs> An archaeologist stripper. I am Digger. <laughs> Digger is coming, and she's got a shovel. Um, <laughs> what profession have you been happy to stay away from or would you not like to do? Hmm. Wow. Yeah. I always like an adventure, so I'd, I'd pretty yeah. much try almost anything. Oh, okay. Um, but... I mean, I I wouldn't want to be an executioner or true uh, or uh, but I also a lawyer. I thought about being a lawyer at one oh, point. Oh, okay. Um, but stay away from anything that has to hurt people. Or, yeah. You know, that, so like or, a lawyer, I guess, or someone who has to say no a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like yeah. I, I probably could have swung it if I wanted to swing law. I just feel like you're dealing with just so many other people's emotional like or like lit- legal garbage that it would just wear on you. It would be really hard for me to defend yeah. someone that yeah. I knew was guilty. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm a Libra. So law is very much yeah. a part of that, oh, that good. sign. But uh, I'm a Pisces. I have no idea what that means for me. But I don't know. What oh, the truth you're very sensitive. And, oh, I am. And, uh, I'm extremely yeah, and sensitive. spiritual. And yes. you're connected. You I, know? I yeah. have my connections. Yeah. Um, cool. I guess a uh, last couple of things. I guess it, it's a it's a Facebook it's a Facebook friend podcast. How how what's your Facebook activity of choice? Like, is there something you prefer? Like, I saw you post videos about your membership first. Like. How do you like to navigate on social I, right, media for yourself? I, I'm terrible at it. Okay. And um, I am flummoxed by it. I okay. should have been born in 1930. <laughs> and um, so uh, I, I'm not... I. I when I write, I write poems. I'm, I'm writing a lot of political poetry now, yes. <laughs> and so I like to post that. Mm-hmm. And if something fun is coming up, like uh, 
you know, the show that I just got or, or uh, something else is happening. Oh, a movie that I did a year uh, ago okay. called The Wedding Party is uh, on Netflix now. It's oh, okay. coming to Netflix. Okay. The Wedding Party is very funny. And uh, one take, the director yells action and an hour and 20 minutes later he calls cut. And the movie was done. And the movie was done. We really? did it four times. We Holy rehearsed for cow. weeks. Did it's, and was it it's like funny. a single camera shoot? Or yes. Wow. Yes. And the 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 camera guys, would, they had a thing like called that. a movie, I right. think, and they attach. And then, you know, I follow you over here. You can't see this, but I'm following Evan with a camera. Yeah. And, um, and then uh, somebody get, comes in and talks to you. And while that's happening, the camera switches to a different guy. Yeah. And then he takes over and follows somewhere else. So each cameraman had it for about 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, it was really fun. So that's so that I put that so, out on so, Netflix. So that, I mean, that's, on that's uh, something coming up, Facebook and okay. stuff. And I do. I, I'd like to get better at tweeting because I think I often have very clever things to say. Sometimes <laughs> what you can do is you can connect your Facebook to your Twitter, so you can just oh. tweet. You can tweet, and then just go straight to your page, or the other way Swear around. To God. You post on your Robin Riker page, then it can go straight to your Twitter page. Oh, I got to get so, hooked yeah, up. Yeah. Because one gonna, thing is good for me. Yeah. You know, the, I get up in the morning. Sometimes I won't pick up my phone or go to the computer at all yeah. for until I'm up for a while right. because I am so easily confused <laughs> about oh, these yeah. things that I write like mad on the computer and love yeah. it. But. My, my wife is the scrolling queen. Like Facebook will 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 kill her schedule in so many ways. Oh, God. But she'll probably punch me for this. But yeah, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, she's like, we're all about, it's all about social media these days. And I'm trying to learn there's like this, uh, there's this platform called Hootsuite. Yes. Oh, my it, friend tried to get me. So, on that. so you can like schedule stuff. Yes, it's wonderful. That's what I would do for my affiliate marketing. I need a I would, secretary would, tweeter. Yeah, you should. What I'm going to do is I actually, I was randomly emailed last week by like someone who wants to start comedy and they just want to be an intern. Like I put out a post about being an intern. I would, I recommend you maybe try to put out some more about trying to get an intern because they will do fun things for you for, for free pretty much. I love that I've idea. had interns in the past, but I mean... Who wants to be an intern and you know, at least reimburse their gas? Or right, like, sure, yeah, sure, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. It's, so I got this random person. She's like, I'm Jewish. I am not going to be a lawyer or a doctor. So that makes me a comedian. I want to <laughs> learn from you. So I'm like, Let's schedule oh, a time. My fr- so, my cousin just said, that's great. Yeah, Thank yeah. you for that suggestion. My cousin just sent me a list of, of the old Catskill comics. Yeah. And then at the end of it, he said, read it all because none of them had... They didn't. They haven't. Didn't have any blue language in their stuff. Right. And so then he gave all of these one-liners from all of these greats, and it was really terrific. And when you said I'm Jewish, I'm I'm <laughs> going to be a comedian. One of them said, you know, there's different variations of when people think life begins. Yeah. And so it's some people say at conception, some people say at birth, some people say right. it, when it was Jewish people say yeah. when you get your degree for medical school. Yeah. <laughs> That's when yeah. life begins. So. <laughs> And then there was another one that I love, a quick one, where what are the three words that um, a wife does nev- never likes to hear when she's making love? I don't know. Honey, I'm home. Oh, yeah. That's a zinger. That's a zinger. I like that one. Cool. Last thing, since it's this is our first conversation ever, I mean, outside of like prepping for this, mm-hmm. do you have any questions for me as, as one of your Facebook friends? Anything? You, you, you know my kid. I know you know my kid. Um, but any anything else you'd want to ask me just randomly? Is, is life good? Would you on a scale of one to ten? Would you say you're enjoying uh, your life? I, I would say I'd say life is maybe between eight and a half and a nine. That's good. But I'm but I'm not settling. I'm, I'm I want the, I want the eleven. Absolutely. So there's a few things I want to do on the horizon uh, that will make that happen. I think. What but, do you want to do? Uh, I just you know I've I've set goals 
just generally, I'll be vague about it. I'm going to say I've got some goals. No, that's good. That's and, good. Uh, I, I mean, obviously, I'm going after comedy the same way now as I did when I was starting out. And now I'm, like, funnier now. So I feel like Excellent. that's that's great. And, uh, no, I don't like the kid's good. Uh, and yeah, Your wife is are, good. And- she She's she's doing very well. And uh, But, you know, I'm always just, like, I'm, I'm at, like, this level. And I want to, you know, like, I want to go 10x on it. So, you know, just want to have that attitude of, like, not settling. And just that's wonderful. Going. Well, an intern is going to help that happen. An intern will. I'm going to get been, me an intern. I've been sitting on like old videos of me for a year of comedy. That I have to like just throw up on YouTube just because. And uh, yeah. Absolutely. Enter the intern. Yeah. Cool. So RobinRiker.com, a survivor's guide to Hollywood on Amazon, how to play the game without losing your soul. Uh, the Wedding Party on Netflix. Yeah. 50, 100 other things you've done. And, and- um, in September, I just did, uh, I just got a recurring role on this show on FXX called You're the Worst. Okay. And we just, I shot a couple of episodes of that. That should be out sometime in September. What do you play on it? I play uh, an actress okay. um, who is the mother of two of the leads on the show. Okay. And she has no care for her children whatsoever. Yeah. And um, someone said, you ignored us to have foot sex with Lou Diamond Phillips. <laughs> and I turned around and my response is, am I supposed to feel something about that? <laughs> and um, uh, yes, you abandoned it. Anyway, yeah. but so she's very self-involved and, and uh, it's it's a very fun thing. And the show is, the writing on the show is wonderful and the actors oh, okay. are really good. So okay. I looking, recommend that. Looking forward for it. Robin Riker, episode 50, Socially Awkward, doesn't get any better than this. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you, Evan. It was wonderful. You got it. Okay, guys, that was Robin Riker and I throwing it down, spitting some truth, spitting some laughs, and uh, it was it was probably it, it was that was a lot of fuel. There's a lot of diesel fuel in that in that talk. I I enjoyed it greatly. And uh, again, please support the podcast at Patreon.com/slash Funny Evan, um, AwkwardWithEvan.com at Awkward with Evan at Facebook and Twitter. And please write a five-star review and subscribe on iTunes. And of course, if you want to check the show notes, you can see the link to Robin Riker's book, A Survivor's Guide to Hollywood, How to Play the Game Without Losing Your Soul. And uh, you can also check out other things off Amazon through that link as well, because Amazon is everywhere. Um, I, you thought number 50 was big. I could have had... Episode number 51, I'm going to tell you who it is already because I already sat down with this guy. Kevin O'Grady is episode number 51. He is up next. He, you may, maybe you know him. He's been on a lot of TV shows. The dude booked 50 commercials. Uh, Supernatural, he was on on the CW. He even did an episode of Arrow. I got to go back and find it. His main thing right now, he's been on the Garage Sale Mysteries. I believe it's on Hallmark and it stars uh, Lori Loughlin, Aunt Becky from Full House. Now she's helping solve crimes, I think, with Kevin O'Grady. And uh, I, I throw down with Kevin. We we got into a very uh, uh we found a very sweaty room to sit down in uh, to offer the proper acoustics and uh, atmosphere and uh, yeah we just shot the breeze uh, I had a lot of pressure to make it fun for him and hopefully I did that so uh, thank you guys for checking out this podcast awkwardwithevan.com. stay awkward thanks for listening. Go to awkwardwithevan.com to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. Now for Evan's mom to pick out his clothes for tomorrow. 
see you next time on Socially Awkward with Evan Wexel. 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 Wexel.